Hello, my name is Matt. I'm the new Children's and Youth Minister here. Uh, and today it's my pleasure to preach on Luke chapter 15. Uh, now, I'm sure we've all had that experience where we've been out in an event enjoying ourselves when suddenly an unwelcome presence walks through the door. It might be an ex or perhaps a friend who you had a falling out with, or maybe it's just someone who really frustrates you. Uh, and suddenly it's a bit awkward. It's a bit uncomfortable. Uh, and then you see the host of the event go up to them and they're getting along famously with them. They're laughing at their jokes, having a great old time. And you think, if they knew what I knew about that person, they wouldn't be associating with them. And, and this is the kind of situation that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law found themselves in, in Luke 15. Verse 1, that the tax collectors and sinners are gathering to hear Jesus. And instead of Jesus distancing himself from these sinners, these thieves, which are the tax collectors, no, Jesus is drawing close and he welcomes them. Uh, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they're not impressed by this, and they mutter in verse 2, this man welcomes sinners and he even eats with them. They're thinking, if Jesus really knew what they were like, he wouldn't associate with them. These are the people who were the furthest from God, furthest from living his way, and yet he's welcoming them and eating with them. But Jesus knows what's going on, and so he decides to tell three parables. And the first two are very similar. They, they carry the same plot. Uh, someone has lost something precious to them. They search for it. They find it and they rejoice. Very, very simple plot. Um, the first one goes like this, verse 4. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he, he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, come rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. This is something that any of these people gathered around him would do. Sheep are valuable. They provide wool for clothing and milk, which can be turned into cheese, out of grass. They're extremely valuable. And if any one of these people lost a sheep, they would look for it. And of course, when they find it, they would rejoice and want to share that joy with others. The second parable is similar. It starts at verse 8. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. Now, you may well think, well, it's just a, a simple coin. It can't be worth that much. But it's likely a day's wages for her. Can you imagine for a moment that you lost a day's wages somewhere in your house? Of course you're going to go look for it. And so this woman searches high and low throughout her house until she finds her silver coin. And when she finds it, she calls her friends together to celebrate, to rejoice with her, because what was lost is now found. Now, both these parables share the same point, that if you lost something precious to you, you would search for it and rejoice when you find it. 
And Jesus says, in the same way, verse 7, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 who do not need to repent. Or verse 10, in the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. When a single sinner repents, there is more rejoicing than if there's 99 that don't need to repent. This isn't to say that God doesn't care about the 99, but it shows his heart for the lost. He is not content just to leave a few along the way. It's not like they don't matter. No, every single sheep is precious to him and matters. So even when a single sinner repents, when they are found, heaven rejoices. This is the amazing truth of these three parables. The lost are precious to the Lord. And when they are found, it is cause for great rejoicing because the Lord loves to save the lost. And Jesus shows this by telling one more parable. This is probably uh, one of the best known parables in the Bible. Uh, it's commonly called the parable of the prodigal son or perhaps uh, the parable of the lost son. Uh, but those titles actually miss half of the story. Have a look at verse 11 with me. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons, and each of these sons has a relationship with their father. And we get to hear their stories in this parable. So let's look afresh at the parable of the two sons. We begin with the younger son in verse 12. The younger one said to his father, Father, Give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. It is hard to put into words how utterly repugnant this request is. If anyone were to do this today, they would be immediately cut out of the will. Whoops. Cut out of the inheritance. The younger son has essentially said, Dad, you're taking too long to die. I don't care about you. I just want your stuff. Can you give it to me now, please? And the crazy thing is, the father gives it to him. And so verse 17, what does he do with this money? Well, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off to a distant country. He booked it and left. And there he squandered his wealth in wild living. Verse 14, after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. He was a foolish man. And now he's hit rock bottom. Can you imagine getting to the point where you have nothing such that pig slop looks appetizing? It's pretty low. He thought he was going off uh, and doing his own thing and that that would be a great thing to do, but it's ended in misery and humilia humiliation. But eventually he comes to his senses. Verse 17, when he came to his senses, he said, 
How many of my father's servants have food to spare? And I am here starving to death. It clicks for him. Actually, my father is really good. He's good to his servants. He treats them well, far better than this guy. And so, verse 18, I will set out back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And so he got up and went to his father. He's going to confess his sin. And all he wants to be is just like any other hired worker. You can sort of imagine it, the younger son going home, just repeating this over and over. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he's repeating this and he's just hoping to be made like one of his hired servants. But this is the heart of the father. Second half of verse 20. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father cuts him off. But the father says to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Can you imagine being the youngest son? Just hoping that you get a job just so you can feed yourself. But then your father sees you from a long way off. And instead of rejecting you like he, reject, like he rejected his father earlier, his father embraces him and restores him to being a son. This lost son who had done the most vile thing, wishing his father was dead, is not just allowed to be a servant as he hoped, but is restored as a son. Now, of course, he didn't deserve forgiveness. He knows that. He knows he wasn't worthy. He's done the wrong thing and he knows it. He came back to his father, confessing his sin and repenting. And the father, not because he was worthy, but because of the father's love for the son, forgives him and rejoices because he is back in relationship with him. Verse 24 says, For this son of mine was dead, but is alive again. He was lost and is found. They're celebrating. There is restored relationship. But this is the parable of two sons. And so now the story turns to the older brother in verse 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what's going on? Your brother came, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he came back safe and sound. The older brother, the one who had never left, had been hard at work in the field. And he hears that his younger brat brother who squandered his father's wealth, has come back. How will he respond? Well, he's angry. Verse 28, 
the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who squandered your wealth with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. The older brother is angry. And you can kind of understand why. The younger brother has squandered his father's wealth. And when he returns, he's rewarded with a feast. They kill the fattened calf. What's the go with that? Do you know how many people a fattened calf can feed? Depending on the size of the cow, with large portions you can feed between 500 and 1,000 people. This is a huge celebration. And so he's jealous of how his father's actions towards his brother. He's been slaving away, never disobedient, and he's never even received a young goat to celebrate. It's not fair. And actually, it isn't fair. The younger son doesn't deserve this. But here we see the father's heart compared to the older brother. The father loves the son. But his older brother doesn't love his brother. And his, the older brother's obedience isn't accompanied by love. It's just simple duty, ticking the boxes. His brother is an unwelcome presence. And he even distances himself from his brother in his language. Look at verse 30. This son of yours, not my brother, this son of yours. He is an unwelcome presence. But his father replies, verse 31, My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Now, we, we don't hear how the older brother responds to that, whether he goes into the party or not. And it's because this parable is about the crowd that is gathered around Jesus at the moment. And you can imagine the silence after Jesus has finished telling these parables. The tax collectors and sinners and the Pharisees and the, ta and the teachers of the law have all heard this parable together. They've heard of God's heart for the sinner. How heaven rejoices when even a single sinner repents. For these sinners and tax collectors, it is a message of hope that if they confess their sins and repent like the younger brother, the Lord is ready to forgive them. It's great news. And it's great news for us because God hasn't changed. He still has a heart for the lost. And if you're listening and thinking that God might be able to forgive others, but he can never forgive you. Because what you've done is so much worse. Well, you're wrong. No matter what you have done, you are never too far gone for God. And it's not because you're somehow worthy of forgiveness. You're not. 
It's because of the love of the Father that he stands ready to forgive all those who repent. And for the Pharisees and tax collectors, it's a rebuke. They didn't want to welcome these sinners and tax collectors, so Pharisees and teachers of the law. They didn't want to welcome these sinners and tax collectors. They didn't want them to repent. They were content to just leave them being lost. Yes, they did their best to be obedient to God's word, but like the older brother, they didn't share the father's heart for the lost. If you've been a Christian for a while, we can fall into the trap of obedience without love and without joy. Just doing what the Bible says without an intimate relationship with God and without God's heart for the lost. Brothers and sisters, do you want to see the lost saved? Do you want to see people come to repentance? God does. And when someone comes to faith, do you rejoice and celebrate? Or do you say, oh, cool, and leave it with apathy? Do you welcome people into your church family, our church family, as they come in? Brothers and sisters, for us as Christians, these parables, these parables call us to care like God cares. Calls us to care for the lost like our Father does. And rejoice when a sinner repents. Because it's an amazing thing when a sinner repents. Verse, 38, 30, sorry, verse 32 tells it well. We had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Let's pray that we would be like our Heavenly Father. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that sinners are precious to you and that you desire all to repent and to be in relationship with you. Lord, help us to remember that no one is ever too far gone and that you are ready to forgive. Help us to have a heart like yours and rejoice whenever, whenever a brother or sister joins our family. In Jesus' name, amen.